Welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I am the DJ, and with me today I have Divi Boy and the Professor. Hello. Uncomfortable silence. <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> Uncomfortable silence and and Divi Boy going all Hannibal Lecter. These are these are prequel memes, mate. <laughs> Hello there. General Kenobi. Ah, General Kenobi. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... How far you reckon we could get into this doing just memes? <laughs> yeah, don't say. Oh, oh god, I, I freaked, freaked up the name. What was it? Oh, oh, Annie, my boss, <laughs> King. There's, there's a storm brewing, Annie. <laughs> you better run home now. <laughs> run home, Anakin, while I have the higher ground. <laughs> I hate sand. It's coarse and rough. Gets into everything. <laughs> wow. Sounds like you got. Sounds like you you're uh... terrible. Have you guys heard of the story of Dark Plagueis the Wise? <laughs> I know no. I'm terrible. That's what I do best. <laughs> we're ter- we're terrible human beings. <laughs> when AJ, make him stop. <laughs> I'd like that. We've derailed this thing completely already five minutes in. Yep. Not even and, that. It's been like and, two minutes. Yep. Ah, oh, so longer then. I see. All right. Keep bringing the memes on. Oh, no, that's so how have you gentlemen been? All right. So, sounds like uh, the, the first week of uni and it's worn you down. Yeah, you can say that. I hardly have done anything yet. I'm just like, okay, back to this again. Well, <laughs> the first week's a bludge week anyway. Oh, indeed. That, that's for the undergrads before. Oh, no, this what... is, we're technically second week. O week was the week before, so. Yeah, but nobody goes to O week once you pass your first year. Pretty yeah. much, right? Yeah. Unless you want free shit, because that's pretty much what I keep, keep, always got from O week. Seriously, the first True. week every time I went to O week, I got like four months supply of shampoo for free. It's like, cool. Although it's interesting how, like, it, for this week's O week, it, this year's O week, it hasn't been like not much because of the corona. Well, yeah, I mean, what else were they supposed to do? Give out, I don't know, come here, kids, get coronavirus? Hand out masks? <laughs> I, I believe they did hand out masks because of the freebie this year. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so uh, how about you, Professor? What, how, how are you? I'm enjoying being a productive member of society. Having a full-time job, <laughs> uh, being off the uh, youth allowance. <laughs> Rub it in my face, eh? <laughs> uh, I, I, bet you in, I, I bet you in the next few days we're going to hear, like, uh, stories of, 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 of some man, some man in the, in the south side di- died mysteriously, leaving a trail of waifu pillows along the way. Don't appeal my plan. <laughs> I'll be honest. I am. Um, I kind of miss uni. I oh. like the learning, but yeah, it's so nice being able to leave your work at work. <laughs> yes, I agree, hundred percent. I cannot wait for that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so our first story, we've got a story about uh, a oh, come smile. Come on, you missed it. You could have mentioned having social skills at work, and then you could have segued into social skills and smiling. And he has no segue. <sighs> He has no social skills. <laughs> my what? segue. I'm, fe- I'm sitting se- here wanting to do it, and I can't. <laughs> my segue fell off. The, f- fell off the ramp. <laughs> I think it more like fell off the ramp and fell into a lava pit, and then exploded. <laughs> there wasn't well, a segue at all. The founder did die falling off a cliff. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah, oh. he, he rolled off the path to get out of the way of someone else, and uh, yeah. My word. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, uh, speaking of all things, um, evil and <laughs> evil and bad, um, we got a story about a smile uh, can increase or decrease a person's trust- trustworthiness depending on personality. Indeed. Now, I went through these the uh, some general feedback from comments and stuff as well. Read it myself, and some people were saying that the data from this source isn't one hundred percent trustworthy because their UK was a bit small. Let's put that before we talk about just to make sure everyone's on the same page. But based there's been a new study conducted which has found that a smile can increase or decrease um, how trustworthy you are and based on your perceived personality. Uh, It's basically a new scientific research that was uh, published in the PLOS1 examined how personality traits and facial expressions influence perceptions of trustworthiness. Pretty much is a study of 262 participants. There, words. (laughs) 
in a study of 262 <laughs> Ooh, in a study of 262 participants uh, were asked uh, to play an economical investment game with another person. In reality, the other person was an invention uh, of the re- researchers. Yeah, the researchers. So it's basically someone they put in there to monitor and basically um, try and see how it's going to affect their participant. So the participant read a brief description of the person which described them as having uh, traits suited to either borderline person personality disorder, uh, any social personality disorder, or no personality uh, or psychological disorder. Uh, these depictions were paired with a brief video clip that showed them with either a uh, neutral expression or a smile. So in the investment game, each participant was given $0.50, so just 50 cents. It was uh, free to decide how much of that money he or she would give the other person. The participant was informed that the amount given to the other person would be tripled, um, and the other person would then either share back some of what they received or all of it. Uh, so we give the other person, they will triple the amount of money you have. Um, the money transferred by the participant to the other person saved as an inactive trust. And they basically found that depending on that perceived previous information, if someone was, uh, depending on the emotional state of that person was through the smile, depending on how actually the participants would either give the money or not. So yeah, what do you guys think? Well, it's interesting that, like, I think in the past I might have heard that a smile is rated as more attractive when the person is attractive, which sounds sort of obvious but uh as opposed to where your your personality traits are reflected in your uh mm, yeah reflected in your smile because the title was misleading so i just read the part i was wanting to say so participants tended to transfer less money when the other person was described as having a borderline personality disorder or any social personality disorder in comparison to those described as having nothing right but yes the smile, but the participant doesn't know who the uh what the the other person is diagnosed with, do they? They do. So that was the original. Oh. So the original will go in and they'll tell you, give you a basic sheet explaining this person. But the smile part comes into if that person, regardless of if they have a personality disorder, the smile would increase the amount of money transferred for both those described as having, you know, the personality disorder itself. So pretty much if someone is malicious or something or has, you know, these disorders or things, basically from that research they're conducted is that if you have a smile, as, you know, I guess you're saying already, Professor, it increases the chances that people will be more willing to do things for you and interact with you, of course. I wonder if this will this will um, bring in, like, new log algorithms to uh, modify facial recognition software. I'm, I would be highly sure facial recognition software would already be tracking facial expression some variety, but in terms of how it is perceived, if the, if the known individual has a disorder or something, right, something that makes them less trustworthy, I think the smile could impact on the results. Um, it wouldn't impact on the results from computer system because what's the point, really? I don't see a use case for that technically. Yeah, um, I don't know how useful this study is either because no. you already know the person is um, has a mental condition mm-hmm. and... You, it's not like you, so. It sort of makes sense that if you see a, someone with a mental condition and they're smiling, then particularly if they have uh, antisocial personality disorder, which is uh, you're going to think, how are they going to screw me over? Yeah, that's why I had that thing at the start because I was reading through some reviews and stuff of the article and people saying um, I left it to read it now, so then like I could get my thoughts out as you read through it. And I can see now that particularly what people are identifying is why this article was feeling eh. Because, um, yeah, it doesn't make sense from a scientific, um, you know, experimental standpoint that you're going to tell people, of course, a smile is going to increase things. Like, you know what I mean? If someone smiles, the whole point. It's meant to make them more trustworthy. But I guess the interesting thing to see would have been if people could identify if someone was iffy based on their smile. But I mean, obviously, it's not been, hasn't been conducted in that way. The interesting part with uh, with this would be um, it would put into question like um, pro- years and years of practicing the uh, art of recognizing facial movements to identify guilt or which is mostly debunked these days. Pretty much, yeah. There was this theory of micro expressions. So if um, if the interviewer says to you, "What were you doing on the night of whatever?" and like film you with a high speed camera. They'll see you pull a face and that will give away your guilt of being the killer or whatever. <laughs> it's uh debunked. I'm nervous. I'm smiling at the police officer. 
oh, he shot me. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, lie detectors. Yeah. Oh my god! Not admissible in court because oh, they're so damn inaccurate, they're, and of course you're going to show a stress response. Yeah. You're in court, mate. Like even the, the inventor of the lie detector, he 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 specifically went out after a couple of years of doing studies and was like, "No, they're not trustworthy at all. What are you doing?" But why do yep. they, why do shows like uh, Jeremy Kyle and all those shows say use them? Like even though they're not that trustworthy at all. Because plot devices, they work as good plot devices because you can go, how do we work out this person? Like, how do we make it so we can, if you have like, you know, a ton of random people running around, one's a murderer, right? And somehow these investigators have got to be smart. They've got to work out who the killer is. I was talking about, you know, a lie detector. Oh, he's lying. He must be wrong. You know what I mean? For all those soap operas and stuff, or police soap operas, it's a really easy way to just have the convenient cops go, Ah, he's guilty. Yeah, these days if you get a lie detector, it's mostly a uh, intimidation tactic. Pretty much, yeah. And what's the other famous one? Uh, sodium pentothal, <laughs> the truth serum. <laughs> what? I've never heard of this. There is a drug called um, sodium pentothal. It's technically called truth serum, but it's not really a thing. A second. Yeah, that's been... Uh, that people sounds... have been claiming that for decades, even longer. Yeah. That sounds very fishy. I think there is one that's supposed to uh, make you very suggestible. Mine start with a K. It's not ketamine, I don't think. But the idea is that if you get dosed up with this drug, you will agree with whatever anyone tells you. So if you get dosed oh, up and someone says, why don't you tell me about the thing, you'll do it. But you'll know you're dosed up and it's more of a you go along with it, not like you get dosed up and then you can't lie. Mm. There we go. Sodium, uh, sodium thiopental, known as sodium pentothal. Um, it is a, it's the safest, most effective medicines needed in the health system, but supplied by perfofol. Um, what else is there? Truth serum. Here we go. So it is, it's truth serum is placed, um, is used in places, um, to weaken the resolve of a subject and make them compliant to pressure. The barbiturates as a class D, as a class decrease higher, uh, cortical brain functioning and also due to the loss of inhibition produced by barbiturates. Uh, Some psychiatrists uh, hypothesize that because lying is more complex than telling the truth, suppression of the higher cortical functions may lead to uncovering the truth. And uh, So basically you're going to feel pretty stoned. (laughs) Yeah. uh, The drug tends to make subjects loquacious and cooperative with interrogators However, the reliability of confessions uh, made under Theopental is questionable. Uh, well, I'm surprised it's still using like this. I was looking through the Wikipedia right now. It's like, yeah, May 6, 2010, used for some court cases. Like, I thought it would have been outdated. They're not going to oh, stop India. using it until oh. something makes them. Yeah. yeah, sorry. That one's in India, the United States. Yeah, it's 1961, 90s. So 1960s, they used it. Uh, and they haven't used it any time recently. But India's still using it. So is, so is Russia. So they're both using it, but United States seems to have not used it for quite a while, based off what Wikipedia from my beginning. Yeah. Oh no, most recent time was in 2012. 2012 last time. Okay, so everyone still uses it then. Yeah. Like, the court wants to get a confession from someone because it makes everyone's day easier. And true. Which is why, even though it's not admissible in court, uh, when they do a police interrogation, they'll still use a lie detector. Because they want to intimidate you into admitting to it. And who cares if they get a false positive because they got got that man. Case closed. Ding dong. We have the bomb. And so and not to mention there are other factors as well. When you're light, when you're nervous and you're smiling, like your, other parts of your body may also react as well. Like you might get a shaky hand or a, um, a jiggling foot. Indeed. And that's the thing about the study, which I feel is very off. Like at first it feels like, okay, this could be interesting, right? But then you look into the actual methods and it's just like, eh, that doesn't... That doesn't really match up very well, does it? And as is tradition in psychology studies, uh, two studies came up with opposite results. <laughs> so that first study found that you were more likely to give money to people with um, borderline personality disorder, uh, or I think it was someone without a disorder. And the second test found that you'd give more money to antisocial personality disorder. 
I, you know, that's, the that's more because, I hear about this, the less I'm thinking this is a reliable that's study. Because the first experiment described the antisocial person as being a uh, disobedient, a frequent liar, and violently argumentative. But the second experiment described the antisocial person as being remorseless, impulsive, and recordless. So it's sort of, so they changed up the use case in that sense. True. Yeah, that is a fairly different personality. Mm-hmm. One's more manipulative, the other's more screw the consequences. Pretty much, yeah. And it's gonna and the, the fact is though, like even though we got all these like studies saying that it could reduce the trustworthiness, in if you try and apply this outside the realm outside outside the realm of um real life, it's like, oh, should, how how do I perceive this? Do I need a handbook? Like, okay, he's doing a nervous itch when he's smiling. Uh, do I trust him or don't trust him? In I mean, if that was a thing and they could give it to kids with autism and Asperger's, that would be really nice. It would be, oh, can you imagine putting this type of mechanic in the game? Well, that's L.A. Noir, basically. That is true, yeah. But <laughs> L.A. Noir. Except... Uh, really hard to actually do that because since they're actors they are technically always lying so even though they modeled the faces off real actors i think it still comes across as like the facial expressions are basically just there for show because they're lying either way yeah i do like the concept though yeah we've just got to find real killers and uh bank robbers and stuff to make it more realistic Hmm. We should, well, th- I think there is one way we could do that. It's a uh, good cop, bad cop. Good cop, bad cop. You know, like uh, Professor Seuss. does the ba- good cop, and Debbie Boy does the bad cop. Oh, it sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Good cop, bad cop, strange <laughs> cop, nice cop. Yeah, it's an old TV trope where um, in a crime show, one of the cops will beat up the guy, the other cop will be all, oh, man, you are right? You want some coffee? <laughs> well, you want, you we're want gonna be now. really nice here. and the idea is the um, you know carrot and the stick they don't want to deal with the bad cop so they'll confess to the good cop to get out of there uh, that's also going to be an interesting thing as well like um if you put like a carrot and stick approach with uh with the whole um smiling thing that's going to be another interest that's going to be another interesting cir- circumstance as well yeah there's a lot of ways to manipulate people indeed oh, that's, and that's not- it, there's a lot of ways to express something as a human which is why mind reading and everything rubbish i'm sorry every time you say karen i'm thinking karen as in it's like karen's gonna go to the cops (laughs) karen wants to see the cops manager (laughs) (laughs) freaking cave johnson is a cop i mean uh karen i don't want to see your life's manager <laughs> uh speaking of uh seeing a manager and all, uh Debbie Boy, you got a story about Microsoft Flight Sim. <laughs> that was a terrible segue. It was. <laughs> Where, where's the, the manager in this? What was that? <laughs> I am the manager. <laughs> well, sorta, but same time. Doesn't make sense. Okay, anyways. So Microsoft Flight Simulator. 2020 is coming, which I'm very hyped for because I Woo. love playing the original one. Just it's been released recently that uh, if you want to get a physical copy, uh, it's got. Take a guess. How many? How many discs will it be? At least one. Ten. <laughs> See, I was within an order of magnitude. Just times it by ten, you'll have ten. Then you'll be right. Um, yeah. So uh, the new version of Microsoft Flight Simulator is going to come on ten discs, and these are not Blu-ray. There, these are not Blu-rays. These are. DVD, you know, CD-ROM disc. Um, yeah. Well, they say D- DVD, CD-ROMs. Like, these days, the difference between them, people, you know, who says they're DVDs? Yeah, they are dual-layer DVDs as well. Yeah, so dual-layer dual layer C- DVDs, and that's going to come up to a total file size of 85 gigabytes, which that's 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 uh, that's no small means of amount of data, which, I mean, when you've pretty much some of the headline, uh, you know, uh grabs that Microsoft's been putting out lately. It's like every single airport in the whole world's been modeled and every one single one you can fly into, like, okay, understandable. Uh, so yeah, so it's going to cover a multi-folding case of 10 DVDs of, and yeah, it's going to be a fun but time trying to install that. A pretty looking <laughs> manual though. It is. It's very nice. With a paper black, with a hard-covered um, manual book as well. So I wonder what's the collector's edition of that game would be. I mean, this looks, I think this would probably be. Comes with a real Cessna. 
<laughs> Bring it in, boys. <laughs> oh, boy. So it, it's 85 gigabytes compressed. The actual game full file size, so this will be how you download it from Steam or something, will be 150 gigabytes. Yeah, and they're oh. like, we're doing this to make it easier for people with slow internet connections. Much. They've still got to download a third of the game. <laughs> and since it is... Uh, quite heavily reliant on streaming. It's going to be a bit of a data hog, I reckon. Oh, boy. I, I would expect so. And it, it looks absolutely beautiful, but it's uh, it's going to take some uh, some time. I love that a lot of comments on this uh, PC Gamer article, it's like, DVDs. I don't, have a, I don't have a DVD ROM drive. <laughs> you want me? There's probably more people with a DVD drive than a... Uh, a- a Blu-ray drive. I mean, there's a... Yeah, obviously. But I think someone did make a good question. It's like, why not put it on a USB? Like a yeah. one terabyte USB. I guess They already the have that for Windows. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know there's a few USBs. I know bleh, that you can make the USBs um, locked. So you can't, like, copy it off and start distributing it with all your friends at school. Thought. Well, since it's an online game, I don't think it's going to matter if you did copy the discs because... You're still going to need an account with Microsoft. Um, right, it's probably going to get tied to your Microsoft Store account. True, but if they're doing physical copies, and those copies themselves will increase money. So. so this kind of system reminds me of the old 1990s games where they were like, okay, you've got four discs just to install this one game. <laughs> yeah, the most I can ever remember doing is um, probably around 2008, the Aragon PC game. I Wait, think there's... that was eight CDs. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could then go the opposite direction and go away from CDs and go to just uh, floppy drives. Then you have a oh, fun time. time yeah, to... <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what the most floppy drives I've ever seen was. I mean, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator is. I mean, they're, they're, it's it's a pretty well known genre for having extremely large installed its DVDs. Because I know, like the original flight, not the original Microsoft Flight Simulator, but Flight Simulator X Gold Edition, which was the latest one until this, still had like four DVDs for install and stuff. So it's you know, you know. That's an interesting comparison. I've got a Flight Sim X here. So I've got it free Steam and it is currently installed at, come on, 16 and a half gigabytes. Jeez, that is, that is a difference. But I mean, granted, it's a... Uh, 10 year years old now. Yeah. So at least. That, that, for, for back in 2010, that would be still a rather large game. Yeah. And it is graphically showing its age, but it mm. is still a very functional flight simulator game. Indeed, I mean, I still, I, mean... play, uh, I still play Falcon BMS, which is based on a simulator from the late 90s. The uh, good old Red Dead Redemption 2 and how when, when news came out that it was going to be two disc, everyone lost their mind. What, two oh, disc man. on console? Yeah. That's wow, so been common, a while though. since I've seen that. Surprising. I mean, oh, I, oh, I was going to say, um, here are some, game, here are some um, other multi-disc video games that you might remember. Uh, Metal Gear Solid. True, yes. Uh, Resident Evil 2. Uh-huh. Uh, Killer 7. Really? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of games that have done one or two discs, but Think, how many it... do 10? Yeah. Final there Fantasy. was that weird time between like the transition of CD to DVD where you'd get games like Aragon at uh, eight discs, but they stopped doing that after DVD came out. True, yeah. And then we did Blu-ray for a little bit, but never on PC because we had Steam. Uh, Final Fantasy se- uh, Final Fantasy Seven was a three disc, and Thirteen was a three disc as well. Yep. Uh, Mass Effect Two. <laughs> Someone's commented on um, on the post. It's uh, it's disappointing that there isn't a version that comes with th- uh, you know, two hundred thousand three hundred and sixty floppy disks. And then someone <laughs> posts below. It's like, don't worry, mate. It arrives in a truck. God, and those no, those are so fragile. They'd probably wipe each other just sitting in the truck. Oh. <laughs> and then you unload it, and you get to disk ninety nine, and it will corrupt, and you have to start again. Just There's a reason we stopped doing this. <laughs> That, look, if someone did it for a joke, I would applaud them for all my money. I remember uh, when Skyrim came out, there being a um, a meme of a stack of floppies with Skyrim floppy edition. <laughs> <laughs> it runs in a Commodore 64. Just takes you three days to load. Do you reckon this... Well, t- technically, uh, the first Daggerfall game has a bigger map than Skyrim. Technically, but it's, it's really not. It's it, randomly generated, so... Yeah. You can't... I mean, 
given Skyrim's map is, you know, it's all hand-placed, Daggerfall is technically bigger, but at the same time, like, not to say one is better than the other, because these shouldn't go about different methods, of course. <laughs> I've made a mistake. <laughs> Don't what? Google Skyrim floppy edition. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I... people have to corrupt everything? I, d- I, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> I, just, I just searched the second you did that. I was doing. I was searching, and then you said that. I'm like, oh god. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I I will say this. Do you reckon they're they they're um using this whole ten this thing as a nostalgia thing? Oh no, it's because of because it, yeah. It'll be because that for one, people that want physical versions of games, and the second reason is as a way for those with you know not that high internet speed to still own it. Yeah, but here's the thing though. Like not like I get the whole um. I, I get the whole um, physical copy of the game, but really, honestly, though, like, do you really want to get, like, a physical copy of a game nowadays, like, with Steam and Epic and all these oh, game shops going? I want a physical copy of a game. I like it having it on my shelf. But, like, I mean, the people who have, like, shitty internet speeds, they will need this. True, indeed. that's true. Yeah, I haven't bought a uh, a hard copy game in quite a while now, but I would buy a... Um, I would buy this because it comes with such a nice book. Yeah, that's true. I like big books and I cannot lie. (laughs) At least on the bright side is at least they didn't do what Bethesda did, which was give out a very, which gave a paper disc when you buy the game. Say like, here's the game code, just download the game. This is yeah. weird. Hang on. So in the in the product description, so I'm looking at the Oz PC Gamer Shop where they've got the physical edition for sale. And it says in the description, it says, you know, 3,000 airports, 2 million cities, 1.5 million, 1.5 billion buildings, you know, blah, 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 pretty impressive. But then it says contents for standard edition, 20 aircraft, 30 high, high detailed airports, poster showing key assignments, and then the manual. So what's the, what, what's the, High detailed airports. <laughs> so be I bet. So I reckon the airports would be uh, Sydney. Um, well, it says it has every no, airport. In the, the difference game. is most airports are generated from satellite image and manually. Oh, well, I see. The difference is auto generated from satellite or uh, blueprint or manually built by someone going and hand placing the buildings. That'll be why. Okay. Yeah. So, so the uh, autogen will work, yeah. but it'll be a bit wonky, obviously. Uh, yeah. So the thirty-seven thousand airports, most of those will be satellite generated, and the thirty high-detailed airports will be the ones done by the developers. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, that's unfortunate, but understandable. Because <laughs> like, you know, who's going to be able to model thirty-seven thousand airports? At least, the, uh, at least, um, this game came out after so many years of hype, and there's a, and finally there's a product compared to uh, what's that? What's that game? Uh, Starcon was it? Was I asked, Was there hype for Microsoft Flight Simulator? Because there's hype now, but no, there wasn't really until they announced it. Yeah, because everyone's like, Microsoft Flight Simulator was the one thing at the back of everyone's mind. Was like, it's that thing Microsoft does. Everyone loves, but they we do all wanted feel it. Like it. Yeah, but no one was asking for it. No, <laughs> and then they do it. Everyone's like, you know, I'm I'm happy with this. This is good. <laughs> I wonder what I—I I think, as I said earlier on, like I wonder how the collector's edition would be like. Imagine getting like a ten model planes or a diorama I, or something like I that. I doubt Microsoft Flight Simulator will have the collector's edition. I'll be honest, because it's not the sort of game which probably would benefit from it. I don't know. They might collector's they editions of a console plebs who don't yeah. have Steam. They—they they haven't really <laughs> announced any collector's edition at all. So I would bet. It'll be just that physical release, which I think will be enough because it, it's a flight simulator. What are you going to do? Like the most collector edition thing that Microsoft flight simulator has ever done. And that is basically World War, basically playing, uh, basically plane packs where basically it'll be collector's edition where you get some extra planes. Example here. Yeah, so, I wouldn't be surprised if they went for the, uh, the DCS model and started charging significant amounts for individual aircraft. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh. I oh, think yeah, at the moment yeah. you can buy third-party planes for uh, Flight Simulator X, but mm. I don't think they sell any DLC themselves. This is it, would would you be surprised if they put uh, microtransactions into the new flight sim? Don't give them ideas. Please don't. <laughs> I mean, Microsoft hasn't. Ha- I'm, Microsoft hasn't done any um, like microtransactions, dodgy microtransaction stuff, unlike ah! certain. 
<laughs> they're not as bad as some, but they're not as bad, but they have dabbled in it, so yeah, yeah. Not to mention, I mean, Minecraft got... is a Microsoft game. When it got bought by Microsoft, they started doing microtransactions. Yeah. Oh Not yeah. Not mention they got Xbox Pass, which I mean, that's sort of microtransaction as well. So. Well, at least it will uh, be in history as a great flight sim game that everyone would love. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of um, speaking of great flight sim stuff and all things great, uh, Professor, you got a story about the future of Paul Allen's Living Computer Museum and Labs. It's a bit tragic, really. The Living Computer Museum and Labs is a project by Paul Allen, one of the Microsoft founders. It's the kind of place where instead of just showing the computers in a museum behind glass, you can walk in and touch them. You can use them. You can log in, or you could log into their PDPs over the internet. And now you can't because they're going to shut down. Unfortunately, they've decided that uh, they, the announcement says if or when they reopen, which I'm not taking too hopefully. Yeah, it doesn't sound very good, does it? Yeah. That's, it's based like someone saying, don't worry, we'll be back. <laughs> A few moments later. Yeah, it's a tragedy, really, because uh, this is the probably the best computer museum on Earth. It's the only place you can see this many antique computers all running. What what kind of computers they had? Did they have any um? Oh, what's the name? Have any earlier uh, vacuum tube based computers? Uh, I don't know because i know the um the english uh center of computer science and computing has some yeah um i've unfortunately never been there oh but i don't know about any uh tube computers Mm. they like one of their oldest is the cdc 6500 from 1967 that's that's still pretty damn old so I'll congratulate them regardless. Yeah, and it runs. That CDC... Oh, boy. You could log into it over the internet. Wait, over the internet? Yeah. That was one of their their things. You could apply for an account to play around with these PDPs and VAXs and the CDC. Oh, wow. Yeah, which I imagine if they're shutting down the museum, they'll probably shut down the... uh, Shut... Shut down the rest of it too. Mm. Actually, here we go. Uh, the the PDP eight E, nineteen sixty five, so a bit older. But oh, I don't see any uh, tube based computers. I mean, that makes sense. They're in, they're in possibly and ridiculously expensive to keep running. Yeah, much harder to keep running since you can't get off the shelf parts anymore. <laughs> Not that you nope. can get them for the old ones, but you can at least repair them with modern parts. Mm. Tube uh, manufacturing is a bit of a lost art. There's only a couple of people that make any kind of vacuum tube these days. Yeah, understandable though, of course. Uh, someone, someone should make a vacuum tube smartwatch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am quite a fan of Nixie tube smartwatches, oh, yes. which aren't Those vacuum are logic, but they are vacuum tube displays. Just got to pay a pretty penny for them. I've had yeah. behind them for a while. Or build it yourself. Keep an eye out for um, cheap Nixies coming out of the Ukraine. True, I've got a true. box of them right here. <laughs> damn, damn you. God. Not uh, not watch size, though. I've well, got... Uh, I don't remember what size these are. Are they long? Seven, are they the fatty no, ones? No, they're end view and... Okay. Yeah, I think IN2, that's it. I've got some end view ones. I don't know the actual product number. I've got a clock. They've been running for a good few years now. They're really nice. Nice. Yeah, I haven't decided what I'm doing with these yet. I wanted at one point to build a, uh, a Kerbal Space Program controller. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Using these as maybe an uh, altimeter. Mm. Seriously, though, aren't um, 
museums government funded though? Not all of them. Especially in America. Yeah. So museums like the Smithsonian are government funded, I think. But the um, LCM was uh, a p- project of passion. I mean, if they get the government funding for this, um, it, it could say it could potentially save them. I, that does seem it'd be lovely, but I would highly not expect it to happen. Like if it did, bravo! But I wouldn't probably put any bets on it. That would involve handing over all of this to the government. Do you trust the American government to look after computers? <laughs> I mean, Have you hey, seen the state of American technology? Yep. Well, hey, hey, hey. If if they are still running, were still running their nuclear launch code, you know, software on old 60s computers until like 2015, then, you know, I guess they have a good track record of keeping them going. Hey, look, look on the bright side. At least it will beat the Chinese and we, they're getting better computers. <laughs> oh. We still have better computers, China. We still have better computers. <laughs> Couldn't even start to run PUBG on anything in this museum. <laughs> Good luck. But yeah. yeah this I, is, um, I say, one of the few places you could do a, a game of Space War on the original hardware. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah um, oh. I've seen videos, which I'm pretty sure are from LCM. That is remarkable. Yeah, so I imagine now they're going to shut down the uh, shut down the online system soon, which I'd always been meaning to check it out, but I never did. So wh- why is it I guess. closing in the first place? Uh, Paul died a couple of years ago. Oh. And with uh, the corona going around, they've they closed temporarily. But their new um, their new announcement is other things as well are shutting down like the so the company uh holding company or whatever you call it that paul allen set up mm-hmm. um they've decided they're going to shut down uh shut down they're claiming it's because of the the owner but they want to evolve as an organization following the death of their co-founder Interesting. And yeah, they're closing down Vulcan Arts Plus Entertainment and Vulcan Productions. So what do you think they're trying to do? Like, that's weird. I don't know. I'd like to think um, Paul was smart enough to set up some sort of trust that would invest his money and make sure they never ran out of it. But yeah. um, it's not just the so not just the Living Computer Museum. The uh, the threat is also to uh, Cinerama, which is a vintage film cinema. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, understandable. Who film wise, you know? Yeah, the Flying Heritage and Combat Armor Museum. Ah, oh. he had a, he had a few museums, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Here's an interesting fact for you guys. Uh, in the physical fiscal year of 2016, the NEA, which is the National Endowment for Arts, has a budget of 148 million. Well, that's a- going to be split across a whole bunch of museums. Oh yeah, and it's, and this is a th- 3.9 trillion budget, government spending budget. And uh, here. That's really not much in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And here's an interesting one. Um, the NEA's budget of 148 million is divided up to up among 19 different categories, including arts, education, dance, m- music, and opera. The NEH, which is the National Endowment for the Humanities, um, get, gets a similar allocation of 148 million, while CPD, uh, CPD, which funds the National Public Radio, gets 445. So that's insane. Not really. Like, if you break that across a ton of museums, it's gonna and compared to government spending in other areas, like it's like a lot of things. It sounds like a lot until you break down the numbers, and it's like, oh, yeah. Well, did you see Bill Gates um, putting in putting in his money just to try and help? Get the museum running for a while? Uh, please, Bill. <laughs> please, Uncle Bill, please. Save your save your friend's project. I take back everything I said about Windows Vista. <laughs> but not Windows ME. We're not gonna we're not doing that. Hey. Yes, what I the, hope, what, what um, did Windows ME ever do to you? <laughs> I think the you professor's got <laughs> I think the oh. professor's got like thousand mild stare going. <laughs> Actually, no. I never used ME. I was on a on ninety eight up until XP. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh. Yes. Uh, so this isn't the first thing that's been shut down since Paul died. So his other pro- one of his other projects, Upstream Music Fest and Summit, shut down uh, in twenty nineteen. 
So I hope this is a temporary closure and not um, not that his estate uh, hoarding the money for themselves. Mm. All right. Well, uh, at least his works will, uh, will will hopefully live on in um, other ways. Yeah. Kind of like the next, kind of like uh, Keanu Reeves with his new work. Uh, he's now joined the realm of comic book writing. That segue was slightly better. It Thank was. You. We're improving over the night. We're, we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. Ah, uh, so Keanu Reeves, he's got. He, so he's been the A-list movie star, and now musician, director, producer. Now he's doing comic book writing, and he's. His first creation is a 12-issue limited series called B- Berserker, which is B-R-Z-R-K-R by Boom Studios. And the first issue is coming in October 7. And the story goes like this. The man known as Berserker is half mortal and half god, cursed and compelled to violence, even at the sacrifice of his own sanity. But after wandering the world for centuries, Berserker may have found, finally found a refuge working for the U- U.S. government to fight the battle too violent and too dangerous for anyone. In exchange, Berserker will be granted the one thing he desired, the truth about his endless blood-soaked existence and how to end it. So he's U.S. Special Forces. Yeah, very yeah, much. This, this is going to go differently. <laughs> well, he, he loves it. Well, he loves doing comics. I mean, he was he personally ex- he previously expressed Oh, no, I'm talking it- about the Berserker character. Oh, right, right. Sorry. So he's a U.S. Special Forces sent in for the battles the U.S. Army don't want to fight. Yep. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, you're going to take out the guy, but you're going to get about 50 civilians. <laughs> you're going to wreck the local infrastructure. You're probably going to kidnap someone and take them to a black site. <laughs> oh. Oh, and let's not forget, he's also immortal. Yeah. Oh, the most important piece of information, of course. <laughs> so um yeah he was saying that uh this this character who was born 80,000 years old his uh, father is a war god and um he and Reeve said that he had this image in his head of a, a guy fighting through the ages because of his father's compulsion to violence but with the pathos of a man trapped in trying to figure out so this god of war then <laughs> i think so <laughs> i am kratos uh, i got like- daddy issues i'm going to go kill things Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's interesting though. I mean, he, it's I like I like how Keanu Reeves is going into pop culture all the time. Like he, this isn't the first time he's done it though, because he's previously expressed interest in playing um a couple of Marvel ca- Marvel characters in the movies, and he wanted to play a Spike in the Cowboy Bebop live action. True. Yeah, I don't think he was made a good Spike though. He just doesn't have the grudge to it. I feel. Yeah, I know John Wick would. I I know, like if if you talk, I know John Wick would have cemented that Spike role for me. Mm, potentially, I would have had to seen it, but unfortunately, I guess not gonna so, happen. So, uh, this project is illustrated by Alexandra Vitti. Um, and who else is in this one as well? Uh, dang it, I lost. Uh, dang it, I lost it. <laughs> uh, co-written. It's co-written by uh, Matthew Kent, and I forgot the uh, person that's with the surname Reeves. But yeah. Uh, so Reeves br- brings creativity to this action and the backstory of the characters. Kin says he's been open to me in inserting my fascination for history, conspiracies, and espionage into the mix along with the fragmented narrative structure. And uh, Reeves also explained more about this character as in he sports a good sense of humor. He's a warm guy, but world-weary because of his past. He's seen a lot, basically. Wow. I can't think of a more original character. <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> and also... The, the battle-hardened warrior. <laughs> so original. Oh, and he has a perfect memory and his ability to speak many languages. I'm like, is this for... He's a bit of a Mary Sue there, isn't he? Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> oh, like, it's funny how he said, like... um. We we ha- uh, actually, yeah it's Keanu sorry Keanu is also Keanu's writing this as well he said like we have hopefully some nice scenes where we're looking they're looking at hieroglyphics and he's like no you got that wrong Reeves says and there's things like hey man I wasn't I, I wasn't everywhere I'm only just one guy but uh, this comic will be fi- will be great in terms of having a lot of ultra violence um, panels in it like uh, ultra violence. Oh, ultraviolet isn't violent. I thought you meant ultraviolet light. And I was like, oh, that'd be pretty. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be cool. A horror movie, a horror comic. You get to the end and they're like, 
Oh, by the way, shine your UV light at the page and all through it you see the monsters. Well, um, do you know Gravity Falls? Yeah. Yeah. So the special edition of that actually had ultraviolet light hidden messages. Cool. So been done before, so but it's definitely doable. So go on, Keanu. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> So um, with this one, he says, um, it's like, yeah, I think it would be fun just to see him punch through someone's chest or pull out a rib or an arm off. Berserker can heal to a certain extent, so it's fun to have these kinds of outrageous consequences and still have the character kind of moving forward. And um, interestingly, he wants to uh, he, he wants to play play as Berserker if it goes to Netflix. <laughs> of course. I was about to say, come on, where is it? <laughs> so it's basically Wolverine. So this, but the story is basically Wolverine. It's a self-insert Wolverine, <laughs> but self-insert fan fiction. <laughs> I mean, Keanu, get- this isn't good. <laughs> There's a reason we laugh at people who do this. Um. So, um. Boom. Boom. Studios editor in chief, Matt Gannon says, uh, Ke- "Keanu's a creative force like none other. It's been it's been a once in a lifetime experience collaborating on his first ever comic book project." Um, the great Matt Kint is also my absolute favorite creators with glove in hand with Keanu on the scripts, Alexander Vitti and uh, Raphael Grandpa sending searing covers. It's viscerally a masterly crafted comic book epic. Hell yeah. Although it's interesting how like, um, this is not the only, this is not the first time like Hollywood celebrities have decided to jump into the uh, comic book industry. I mean, JJ Abrams decided to delve into the comic book industry as well. With, well, uh, if you can tell a story in one medium, it often, especially ones as closely related as movies and comics, it probably transfers well because they're, there's, they're very similar. The difference is comics are only one one frame per per panel, per camera angle, you know. You know, um, it's not like a movie, 30 frames a second. It's just the one frame, then you move on to the next shot. So mm. the, a lot of the... A lot transfers over the framing, the pacing. The um, I think it makes sense for people to move from movies into comics. Yeah, but the but the thing with J.J. Abrams's um comic Spider-Man reveal was it was so bad apparently. What Spider-Man reveal do you mean? So J.J. Abrams and his son made a Spider-Man comic. Um and oh, okay. uh, yeah, it was it apparently just felt yeah it was just terrible. <laughs> Well, okay, they're not not all gonna be great. But I agree with you there. Like, it's interesting how people are just moving from one medium to another. I agree with you there. I wonder how many um like Easter eggs are we gonna find in the move in, in the comic book though? Like, are we gonna see like Matrix Easter eggs or John Wick Easter eggs or maybe Bill and Ted? Probably. So, um, Professor, what have you been playing? I've been playing Forager, which is a sort of an idle game version of Factorio. It's, um, I feel like there's a bit too much RNG though. I'm at the point now where I need a lot of, uh, a lot of rubies and emeralds and stuff to finish my, well, to sort of advance to the next level, the next tech level. And I don't feel like I'm, I have any way to influence that other than just grind out a whole bunch of mining. Why does this game remind me of Stardew Valley? shouldn't it just has that the like it, it just has that element of stardew valley in terms of you're um, planting stuff you go home and you're exploring stuff well it's a top-down farming factory type game so you know there's there's only like a hundred of them that's true <laughs> uh what's the biggest flaw you've encountered for this game just the rng aspect okay like in factorio if i want more coal i can go and build a a coal mine. In this case, I want more rubies, but since it's RNG and fairly rare RNG, I have to wait for a, a patch of rock to spawn on my island, mine the patch of rock, hope I got a ruby, otherwise I gotta wait. And I need a lot of them to uh to build the next the next level. Okay. So uh, how many nerdy beanies out of five would you give that game out of? Only two and a half. It looks like it has a lot of endgame content and people are liking it a lot. So maybe I'll just uh, cheat my way past this level and see <laughs> see how it goes. But I'm not too impressed so far. Fair enough. Uh, so, Debbie Boy, what have you been playing? VR chat. <laughs> addict. This is an intervention. <laughs> yes, I'm an antisocial addict. Help me, please. So, who did you pose this time? Uh. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yvonne. Uh. 
It's not. It, it, it's gonna stuck. It's gonna sting him. <laughs> nah, just, just. I've, I've been playing his little um anime like tank girl, where basically I can create a. I'm playing as like it's it's a meme of like Soviet Russia, and I can go around marching in my own army, <laughs> creeping people out. Fun. Do you sing um, Russian marching songs? Pretty much. Nice. So everyone's like, what's what? It's like everyone just goes like, where's this person? There's this whole army coming. Um, cringy things. Uh, <laughs> I'll give it. I'll give it probably a four. Usual. Because I've played it too many times. Oh, although I do want to ask though, like how many? It must be. There must be a lot of people on VR chat. Yeah, there is quite a few. It's a very uh, surprised how much has kept up the theme over the years. Yeah. After the, do you know the way? Oh, please don't. <laughs> No. Um, I've been playing Nora, and it is uh, it's an escape game in terms of you're a science experiment and you're trying to get out of a lab. Second, and you play so you play as Looper, a monster is trying to get out of the abandoned lab and onto the surface. And it is created by the students of Digipen as well. Yeah, good guys. Yeah, it's a precision jumper, uh, precision platformer, right? As well. Are you any so- good at precision platformers? Oh, I I really suck at precision platforming. <laughs> Cause here's the problem. Like when it because um when you use the uh the WASD um key key configuration and you try and jump, it's like you normally use the W for like jumping, but then it's then you realize like oh crud, the uh space bar <laughs> is for jump now, not the other way around. Okay. Yeah. Um you, the abilities you have you got um the second jump and you also can slow time as well and sometimes and sometimes it's useful sometimes it's not useful and it could it can drive you mad (laughs) um as for the biggest flaw with the game uh oh like there are some elements where you're like near the plat near the platform you're going to and it's like dang it i i I was so close it's like uh mario remember the old mario games where it's like one pixel short and you uh, and you fall off the ledge so what you're saying is you suck at it yep <laughs> but yeah it's it's fun though because you can, you can try as many times as you want and it's yeah it's it's challenging so I would give that game a four out of five. So uh, on to our shout-outs. On the 19th of January 2008, uh, it's been 12 years since Avatar Last Airbender aired its final episode on Nickelodeon. So uh, 12 years ago, the uh, final episode of Last Airbender aired, and this acclaimed series draws uh, draws from Eastern mythology and combines it with Western animation. It's been in the top 10 most watched TV series on Netflix since it was added to the service in May. Oh, I, I want to watch that series. I want to watch that series now. And you can. Yep. Just get us through the podcast and you can do whatever you want. <laughs> so uh, on the 19th of July, 2020, Minecraft uh, original title screen, World Seed, finally fa- found after nine years. So the uh, Minecraft at home team uh, took just months to find the ex- elusive title screen back- background map seed. Uh, which defines the features of a randomly generated world many times the size of the Earth, uh, almost impossible to reverse engineer, yet they managed to find the exact location using distributed computing. I mean, that's incredible. After nine years, they managed to find that. Well, it only took them a month once they started looking. So the um, the way it worked was a month or so ago, they decided they would look. They created a script that would generate farm out to different computers around the world to generate a map, check for the conditions that are for the uh, the maps, the background map, and then if it doesn't find it, start again. But they are doing some other interesting stuff. Like I checked out their website tonight, and they found a um, they found a twenty one block high cactus. <laughs> wow, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> Oh man! I mean, this thanks to this discovery, I think it will bring in a lot of more Minecraft fans. Bring more, and you say, I think Minecraft already has everyone. Yeah, I know. I mean, Roblox is still there. <laughs> people will go back and try it out. Yeah, definitely. I, I I've been meaning to ask though, which is better, Rob, uh, Roblox or Minecraft? Nah, they both got different use cases. Roblox is all about uh, creating levels with people, building little mini games, really. It's they're pretty different in the grand scheme of things. So they're targeting the same age group, but they're targeting a different core user base. Because Minecraft's whole stick is, you know, be creative, build massive houses and stuff, and then uh, survival mode and stuff, right? 
fight zombies and things. And then, yeah, Roblox is all about creating minigames to share for online community. So in some ways, they're a crossover because of the online multiplayer, but sort of don't. And that's kind of both stayed alive for so long because Roblox is older than Minecraft by a couple of years. So I don't know, I can't really say which one was better. I mean, personally, I would probably say Minecraft because I've played that more. I don't really have touched Roblox, so. And I bet you after playing a bit of Minecraft, you you would you turned into David Cage and say, give me more. Who doesn't? Exactly. <laughs> Everyone loves Minecraft. Yep. Uh, so on the 20th of July, 2020, in the first uh, UAE, the United Arab Emirates uh, spacecraft blasts off to Mars from Japan. So uh, it's launched their first spacecraft, Amal, mean, meaning hope, will observe the upper atmosphere and the Martian climate for the next two years. The first Emirati in space only made it there last September when Hazar al-Mansuri flew to the ISS. And I, if I recall, like they have a very... um. They have an ambition of settling in Mars in uh, 2,117. That feels like a long way off. Is that the Emirates who want to do that? Yeah. Mm, gonna have to beat Elon there. <laughs> Pretty sure Elon would like to have been on Mars last Tuesday. Tuesday? Tuesday. <laughs> cheese is on the moon. Ah, uh, you're right. Yeah. Moon's made of cheese. Yeah. Uh... So Tuesday anywhere else in the solar system, cheese day on the moon. <laughs> of course. Uh, so on our remembrances, on the 20th of July, 1866, Bernard Reimann, uh, George Frederick B- Bernard Reimann was a German mathematician who contributed to analysis, number theory, and differential geometry. The Riemann integral, Riemann surfaces, and Riemann hypothesis were all named after him. His work formed the foundations of the mathematics used for general relativity. He died of tuberculosis at the age of 39 in Salaskart, the Kingdom of Italy. Um, 20th of July, 1973, Bruce Lee. Lee Jun-Fan, known as Bruce Lee, was the actor, director, martial artist, instructor, and philosopher who founded Jeet Kune Do, The Way of the Intercepting Fist, which was the predecessor to martial, mixed martial arts. He was also a major pop culture icon linking the East and West. He died at 32 in Kunluntong with brain swelling due to effects of equagesic. Not a good way equagesic. to go. So you. I was looking into that. It's a combination drug for uh, painkiller and reducing anxiety. Yeah. And the, uh, the autopsy labeled his death, death by misadventure. So I guess um, I feel like it, it's a side effect of the uh, equagesic, but it's hard to say I'm not a medical expert. Yeah, I, I will say this: like Bruce Lee's movies are are a sight, are beautiful to watch. Like his um, Way of the Dragon, for example, was in. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Every frame of painting has quite a good uh, analysis of his style. Yeah, well, that's the one. You guys got any um, good Bruce Lee movies you ever saw? Haven't seen any of his yet. But you got to yeah. be in the right mood, so we'll, we'll get around to it. Don't worry. Don't scold me yet. <laughs> Neither have I. You're the odd one out here, DJ. <laughs> So uh, on the 20th of July, 2005, James Doohan, James Montgomery Doohan portrayed uh, Montgomery Scott, better known as Scotty, in Star Trek. Before acting, he was in the Canadian Infantry and fought in the Normandy landings on D-Day. He contributed to the development of Klingon and Vulcan, uh, two Konglangs used uh, by their namesakes in the show. James inspired many to take on engineering roles, but one moment that has stuck with him was helping a suicidal fan. His ashes have been launched to space several times. And yes, he beamed up. My favorite memory of um, Scotty, by the way, was the uh, fight with the Klingons in the bar and how uh, the Klingons are like, your Star Trek ship should be hauled away as garbage. And Scotty throws the first punch. I like the bit where he goes, um, they go back in time and find an old Apple computer and he thinks the mouse is a microphone. So he picks up the mouse and he's just like, "Hello, computer." Although it's interesting how he did the Scottish accent, like he, like he was, um, he he didn't really speak Scottish in real life, did he? No, he was Canadian. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe it. Scotty's not Canadian, huh? Okay. Uh, famous birthdays on the uh, 20, 20th of July, eighteen eighty-nine. John Reet, first Baron Reet. Uh, John Charles Welsham Reet. The first Baron Reed started his career in broadcasting with no experience when he saw an ad for for a general manager for the unformed BBC. He pushed for the BBC to be a public service broadcaster to ensure the independence of the service. 
Once he left the BBC, he stopped consuming television and radio stating, when I leave a thing, I leave it. He was born in Stonehaven, Kincardineshire. Uh, 20th of July, 1932, Namjoon Payek. Namjoon Payek was the creator of the term electronic superhighway, which likely led to the first use of information superhighway, a nickname for the internet. However, there is no proof he ever used that particular term. He promoted the development of redundant telecommunications across the US at a 1974 conference. Nam was born in Keijo, um, now known as Seoul. Seoul. Thank you. On the uh, 20th of July, 1947, Gerd Binning. Uh, Gerd Binning was a German f- physicist who won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1986 for the joint invention of the scanning tunneling microscope, the first microscope that could image image surfaces at the atomic level. He was born in Frankfurt am Main. What's the difference between that and the electron microscope then? Isn't the electron Uh, microscope also does the same thing? I believe it's a type of electron microscope. Okay. Might be the magnifications? Um, No, just the electron microscope is a class. Okay. So this is specifically a scanning tum- tunneling microscope. There's also, I think, an SEM. Um, so on to our events of interest. The 20th of July, 1968, the first Special Olympics, uh, in National Special Olympics, mind you, are held at Soldier, Fi- Soldier Field in Chicago with about 1,000 athletes with intellectual disabilities. So on the 20th of July, 1968, the first International Special Olympics Summer Games were held in Soldier Field, Chicago with 1,000 athletes with disabilities. And McLon Burke, a PE teacher, began the idea and worked with the Kennedy Foundation to create a U.S.-Canadian Olympics. On the 20th of July, 1969, Apollo, the Apollo program, where the Apollo 11's crew suddenly successfully makes the first manned land, um, landing on the moon in the Sea of Tranquility. America's Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became, become the first humans to walk on the moon six and a half hours later. And with one's and one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And it took eight years for uh, from the JFK's uh, announcement of the moon landing program by the end of the decade, and they just squeezed it in by six months to spare. That was a really contentious pro- um, space to race, wasn't it? Well, the whole thing was eventing nuclear war, so of course. Yeah. yeah. And the whole point of the space race was to flex on Russia. <laughs> yeah. You reckon yeah. we're seeing the next? Spe- you reckon we're seeing the next space race? Uh, sort of. I think. There's a, a corporate space race going on in the US yeah. um, and around the world, really. But in terms of uh, geopolitics, I think the next space race is hacking technology, and that's not um, not hugely public for obvious reasons. <laughs> On the uh, 20th of July, 1969, a ceasefire is announced between Honduras and El Salvador six days after the beginning of the football war. (laughs) Uh, After rioting during a FIFA World Cup qualifier, the Salvadorian military attacked Honduras. However, the match was only the last draw for the past for the tense relationship. I love how they come up with those names, like the football war. Well, the instigating incident was the FIFA match. So yeah. even though they'd both been at each other's throats for the ages, yeah. it um the footy match happened and then they were like, Right, that's it. I'm getting me mallet. <laughs> uh, I like and I like how um both of the sides were using World War Two era designed aircraft. <laughs> Yep. Oh, man. And uh, apparently the, the war was the last conflict in which piston-engined fighters fought each other. Um, so on the 20th of July, 1976, the American um, Viking land, one lander successfully lands on Mars. On the seventh anniversary of Apollo 11 um, lunar landing, the Viking one lander, an unmanned U.S. Pro- planetary probe, became the first spacecraft to successfully land on the surface of Mars. In 1976, on the anniversary of the moon landing, the... Lander successfully touched down on Mars. Uh, it was uh, it was it was a successful landing, and all but one instrument reported negative result for life. But there's still debate over the result of the fourth test. So that begs the question: Will we ever? Um, will, will there be life on Mars? I say potentially, as it it's known Mars did have life. So even though it's not, they don't find life. They might find evidence of previous life, which I think they already have in some ways. But yeah, this um this test would show evidence of past life. 
and it's contentious because there's a lot of sources of possible organic compounds that they found and only a few of them are life mm. but then there's debate about whether there'd be enough of the organic compounds around to actually seem like the you know if it wasn't just um if it was just from the rocks decaying and mm. not from a actual living organism simple to tell hey i mean any time will tell really yeah and uh finally on the 20th of july 1977 the central intelligence agency releases documents under the freedom of information act revealing it had engaged in mind control experiments so in uh, 1977 during a hearing held by the senate select committee on intelligence to look further into mk2 ultra admiral stansfield turner then director of Central Intelligence revealed that the CIA had found a set of records consisting of about 20,000 pages that survived the 1973 destruction orders because they had been incorrectly stored at a record center not usually used for such documents. Uh, MKUltra involved drugging unwitting civilians using drugs including LSD for various nefarious purposes including mind control. At least one death occurred and the CIA ordered the destruction of all records, only missing some that had been misfiled. Boy, I hate to be the intern of that. So uh, anything else before we uh, wrap it up? Well, um, I was looking at the at the page to see if there were any new TNC podcasts. Have we uh, shouted out to Warm Red Earth before? Yes, we have. Okay, well, I'm going to shout out again to to them because I listened to their first episode the other day and I liked it. Nice, nice. Warm Red Earth is a podcast about the odder parts of Australian history. So forget forgotten history, folklore, and a bit of superstition. Nice. Uh, how about you, uh, Davey Boy? Anything else um, planned? Davey Boy? He's died. Yep. Going to need a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> uni was too much for him oh, it was either that or the vr chat <laughs> so uh that's all we have for um this week oh wait uh, i'm still here i'm still here I just, oh, I, he, I, 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 oh, he's alive i thought i i accidentally muted my mic and didn't realize it that's how tired i am oh, you were correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm alive i'm alive don't <laughs> All right, wrap us up, DJ. Let's let this man get to bed. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's all we have for um, this week. Uh, Where can they find us, Professor? On that'snotcanonproductions.com or that'snotcanon.com now. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you can get your podcasts. Our Facebook page, Nerds Amalgamated, where we post uh, more details in our show notes. So if there's anything you want to find out more about, we have more details there. And you can support us for $5 a month on Pod Hero, where a portion of your subscription fee goes to all of the podcasts you listen to. also have Twitter as well, where we... We, we um, do have Twitter, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where we retweet and like, ev- like some cool stuff on Twitter. So uh, take care of yourselves, stay hydrated, and hooroo. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. <sighs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.